with our conversation. And the conversation is about this. We, we started a series called The Other Side, where we are talking about a story from the book of Joshua, where the Israelites crossed over from the desert into the land of Canaan. And we felt as we started the series a couple of weeks ago that God was speaking to us as a church that we need to cross over and that He has plans for us, um, things that He wants us to experience, things that He wants us to learn, things that He wants to add to our lives and things that He wants to take us into and that it's high time for us to cross over. Um, and we're not going to cross the physical river. Not that any of the rivers are currently in, in flow, isn't it? Uh, anyway, we praise the Lord. There's some rain coming. Amen. Um, but nevertheless, we, we believe that this is a spiritual urge that we have to just cross over and say, God, what you have for us as individuals and as a church, we, we're keen on moving into that. And so that's what the conversation is really all about. And, and this morning, I want to look at something from the chapter um, 16 in Matthew that I can probably think was going to take us, or me at least, I don't have enough time this morning to go through everything that I felt to share with you, so I'll, I'll carry on um, at a later stage. But there's something in that that really gripped my heart for the first time, actually, as I studied it. And so I titled it just simply the following, just who, what, and how. Just who, what, and how. And so this morning we're going to look at that, and I brought some material with me to help us through this journey. So there's a whole lot of books here, if you can't see it. Um, it's an intensive study this morning, so uh, please be with me, stay with me, and keep your neighbor also occupied that they would stay here. Nobody's allowed to leave. This is the final call. Everybody's seated. <laughs> no. There's something that Jesus said, and what was said about him, and what was said to him, and what he then said to us, that is summarized in those three words, who, what, and how, from this portion. And so we're going to start looking at that. And uh, if you, I love us walking through the Bible together on a Sunday. And again, if you don't have a Bible and um, you, you need one and it's always good to have one, please come and talk to us. And by the way, whilst we go through it and you guys can't see it because we it's a little bit darker in this section. Just, you know, raise your hand. We can turn on the lights. Um, but it's just for ambiance, they say. <laughs> but anyway, um, we'd love for you to join us on Sundays to read through the Word together. Is that okay? Please join us. And uh, the, the reason is that we want you to partner with us and journey with us and, and stay on track with where we're going. So if you don't have a Bible, but it's on your device, please just swipe to the device, wherever you need to go on your device, and get to Matthew 16. And I want to read to you from verse 13. Okay, everybody with us? Matthew 16, verse 13. I love the word, and uh, I love being able to have this privilege to share with you. So what has happened up to this point, um, that Jesus is about to say something to his disciples that he had never said before. And so he's going to shock their world. And uh, maybe you've never heard that either, but something is coming. And, and he's predicting something about his death and his resurrection that they had never heard before. And actual fact, he did it three times. In Matthew, we see it in Matthew 16 and, 
and then uh, later on in 17 and in 20 again, he predicts something. And so I want to first of all start talking to you about the who. But yeah, let's read it from verse 13. It says, Now when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples. It's like, I love this. Jesus just communing with them and just talking to them and asking. Love the thing that, that Jesus actually asked many questions. There's a book that I have at home that says Jesus asked something like 300 and odd questions. You go through scripture and you pick them up. He only answered like seven. But he asked many questions because he was trying to find out what's happening in our hearts. He didn't ask questions that related to information. Mostly he asked about transformation. So what's happening in your heart about these things? So here it goes. Jesus asking a question. Who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they, who are they? Anyone? The disciples. So he's talking to his friends, just conversing, and, and he says, um, or they say, well, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and other Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. It's like a great answer. That's what the people say. So verse 15, he kind of um, turns it their way. Um, and in a sense, what they're saying through their answer in verse 14, yeah, they say, well, Jesus, it seems like they don't really know who you are yet. Uh-huh. Can you see that? Who's Jesus? Well, no, no, go, go. Thanks. No, 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 go. Go back to 14. That's it. Stay there. Um, some say John the Baptist. Jesus, they, we think they, they think you're John the Baptist. Or, or maybe someone's saying you Elijah, a guy from the Old Testament, and, and, and others, Jeremiah, or perhaps any of the other prophets. They don't actually really know who you are. Uh-huh. So Jesus doesn't scold them. Oh, these people. Don't we often say, oh, these people. No. Jesus doesn't say that. He goes on. He turned and like, okay, well, I've asked you about the crowds. Let me ask you. And he says, um, but who do you say that I am? They have not understood the uniqueness of who I am yet. They do not know who I am, it seems, by virtue of your answers. But who do you, you twelve, say that I am? And uh, Peter, the, the loud mouth, it seems, and the guy's always ready for an, with an answer and always ready to do something. And he's kind of like, he bails all of them out, it seems. You know, often in a group or at school when there's one that's always... Uh, pick me, pick me, I've got the answer. You're like, oh, thankful for those guys. I don't have to give an answer, huh? isn't it? It's like you're like, so thank you, Jesus, for little Johnny that's always so eager to give an answer. Then I don't have to. And Peter comes and he does that. He's like, ah, oh, Jesus, you know what? I've got the answer here. And he says in verse um, 16, Simon Peter replied, but uh, you are the Christ, son of the living God. Gee, that says everything. Who do you say that I am? Peter comes and I'm sure the other guys would have said, well, thanks, Peter, but I would have said that too. <laughs> it's like, yeah, I knew that. I was, like, I was about to say it, and then, Peter, you stepped in again. No, I'm sure that none of them, maybe. I would have been one of those like, thank you, Jesus, for Peter. Huh? 
um, that he comes out with the answer. But anyway, and so we, uh, we, we, we see what he says. And, um, and then Jesus responds. It's amazing. He says to him, Hey, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father is in heaven. And just, just before Peter could get all pumped up and all arrogant about it and saying, yeah, I got it right. See, guys? <laughs> you guys have been hanging around you. You don't know nothing. It's like, I've got it. No, no. Jesus says to him, listen, Peter, you know what? It's the right answer. But you know what? where that answer comes from? It's not from you. Don't you suddenly start feeling too, too good about yourself? You actually don't know nothing. This has been revealed to you from, from heaven. My Father is in heaven. I'll tell you, you're Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. And it's not upon Peter. It's upon that confirmation or that, that, um, that, that, that predicament or the pronouncement. That's the right word that he made, the proclamation that he made. He says, upon that which you have said, I will build my church, and, and nothing will stand against it. And I'll give you the keys of kingdom of heaven, and, and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. And so what we clearly see here is that um, the who of Jesus comes out. Jesus asks, well, who do the people say I am? And then he asks, who do you say I am? And there's an answer given. And, and, and in a sense, we can ask and should ask each other this morning, who, who do you guys say he is? Because the reality is this, none of us can understand who he is unless we have seen who he is. And none of us have been around at the time of Jesus. I mean, I'm, some of you are old, but you're not that old, eh? Like seriously, um, <laughs> I won't mention names now. It's not a good time to mention. But it's lovely to scan and just kind of look and like, oh yeah, <laughs> you almost could qualify. No, none of you qualify for being 2,000 years old. None of us were there. So none of us could say, you know, I saw him. What we see of him today is what we see in Scripture. And so, by the way, if we don't see it in Scripture, where will we get it from? So if he is merely a prophet, like the crowd said of him, or he's merely just one of the, the good people in the Bible and a great teacher, and that's our confession, that's the proclamation that we make, about Jesus, if I would ask you individually, and not to trick you or to embarrass you, but if your answer, my dear friend, this morning would be, oh, he's a good guy. He did good things. I mean, hey, everybody talks about Jesus. Well, not everybody. Well, in a sense, because people use his name in vain. And they send, in, a, in a way, they do talk about him. But what do they believe about him? And so if your belief this morning is just based on, hey, he was a good guy, uh, I, I want to suggest that that there's more that you need to learn and get to know about really who he is because he's more than that. You need to know more about the who of Jesus. And it's not information that just will fill your mind and your brain, but it's information that you need to have your heart transformed because the knowledge of Jesus transforms us, not just puffs us up and makes us feel, oh, well, I'm so knowledgeable, you know, I know so much about Jesus, but do you know him? Some of you can give me much information about individuals that have lived in this life, on this earth, and you've studied their lives, and you can come and, come and give us a good, you know, um, just delivery of who this individual is, where he was born or she, and what they did, and that's great. You know about them, but you don't know them. 
necessarily. And it's the same about Jesus. The who is so incredibly crucial. Because this is what I want to say to you. Who we say Jesus is will determine everything about how we worship him. If we simply just believe that he is a good guy and he did good things and, hey, way to go, Jesus. It determines the way that you worship him. I don't just worship good guys. Many good guys and people around you. Good people. (laughs) Good people. We had a good guy lead us. In worship this morning, that, hey, Prince, you've been an amazing guy serving in this church. And we want to just honor you again. You've been around for many, many years. And he's leaving this week to go and study on the island of Cyprus. Very good Paul was there. <laughs> so it's quite scriptural, bro. Well done for going and being able to go. And Veronica, where are you? Oh, there you are. Just want to thank you for raising such an amazing boy. He served us as people, served us as a family even. And this church in an incredible way. So honor you for that and honor you, my friend. And may God bless you as you go. How did I get to that? Anyway, um, so he's a good guy. Good guy, but I don't worship him. All due respect to you, bro. I'm not going to worship you. You don't want my worship. You know that. I know a lot about him. And I know him. But that doesn't mean that I worship him. And we can get to Jesus, we can know a lot about Jesus, but we may never end up worshiping Him because we don't know who He is. We know a lot about Him possibly, but your worship of Jesus is determined by who He is to you and what you see in Scripture He is. And that's why, take away Scripture, your worship is gone. Take away your Bible, where's your worship going to come from? Because your mind is going to stop running out of the reality and the revelation And the knowledge of who Jesus is. The Bible is so key for us. That's why we encourage one another. Because the Holy Spirit, who is our friend, who is our helper, who is our teacher, He teaches us from the premise and the foundation of the Word of God. Take the Word of God away, then you're just all free out there. You're hanging in the air. You just grab hold of any good idea that can come your way that will help you have some form of anchor. But there's no better anchor than the truth of God. And so we worship the truth of who Jesus is, because that determines how our worship looks like. When the Father introduced this Son of His, Jesus, to the world, after He was baptized in Matthew 3, we said something so profound about Him. He spoke about His identity first, before any mention was made about what He came to do. He said to us, this is my beloved Son, in whom I'm well pleased. He spoke about the who. The what and the how was still coming, but he focused on the who of who Jesus is. We can get tied up with the what and the how, but you've got to first start with the who. Friends, who is Jesus to you? Who is Jesus? Because when we want to cross over into what God has for us, we've got to cross it with someone. And it's not firstly my wife or my husband. It's my friend. Jesus, my Lord, Jesus, my Savior, Jesus, and He needs to be that to us. Otherwise, our crossing over is going to be all by ourselves. We can't cross into what He has for us. So my question is, do you know who Jesus is? Do you study who He is? Do you meditate on who He is? Does your life revolve around who He is or 
Or is it that your life revolves around what He can do for you instead of who He is? Who is Jesus to us? Who is Jesus to you this morning? Not what do you know about Him? What has He done? Or even what He's done for you this week. But who is Jesus? Who is He? If we read further, we, we get into the what. Because in chapter 16 still, in verse 21, it says very clearly that Jesus was now going to shock the people with what He had come to do. Firstly, He was focusing on, on who He is. And now He says in verse 21, From that time Jesus began to show His disciples that He must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and, and be killed and, and on the third day be raised. So Jesus is like, this is almost like two years into his journey with, with his disciples. And he had not disclosed this in this way to them before. He had disclosed much about who he is. And that's why he questioned them just, hey guys, do you know who I am? Because if you understand who I am, then what I do, what I've come to do will make more sense. And so Jesus asked them, well, that doesn't, he says to them, guys, I need to start telling you that this is about to happen. And it's amazing that, that for Jesus, what he came to do was based on who he was. He didn't find his identity in what he did. He found it in who he is. He's the son. Simon Peter said, you are Christ, the anointed one. You are the son of the living God. And Jesus said, there's no way in your own mind you could have come up with that. It had to be from heaven. And that's my identity. That is who I am. And so what I have come to do, what I have come to do, is based on who I am. And that kind of starts shaking our world that we're in. We cannot cross as, as somebody who has the potential to go and, and, and change the world on the other side of the river. We do not cross with, um, with a reputation of this is what I have accomplished in my life. I do not cross as somebody. I cross as someone who has an identity in Christ. I, I go into the, the next season of my life and into the next challenge of my life and into the next battle of my life, not based on I have conquered and I've done so well. I've based it on what He has done and who He is in my life and what I believe about Him. And so, I want to make this statement, that our identity is not in what we do, but who we are as individuals. And our true identity can only be found in Christ. Our identity cannot be in anything else but Him. Hence, the reason to get to know Him, the who, determines your what. And we're so often occupied, over-occupied with the what. What have you come to do? What is, what is your dream? What are your abilities? What are your gifts? What are your talents? What do you do? We introduce ourselves at the high on Vesey, I am, I do the following. Isn't it? Like the first question we ask, what's your name? Oh, what do you do? Isn't it? And so then we spend all of the time just explaining what I do, where I do it, how I do it, etc., etc., etc. But some little time is given to who you are. And so the life that we live 
that we want to live here on earth is often occupied by focusing on the what instead of the who. Who are you? It's a profound question to ask. Just to sit with someone and just to discuss who you are, what makes you tick, what, what you enjoy, just anything about us but just the what. It's an effort that. Sometimes it's, it's kind of like real personal things and we don't want to diverge into something that, that you know, takes us onto a, an, an interrogation route where we're questioning people. No, it's just, hey, we want to know who you are. That's why relationship is so important. That's why we, we encourage one another to, to get to know one another in the context of church. Because I know that there are many of you that, that, that sit here this morning with all due respect, but you don't, you don't know many people, perhaps, that are with you in this hall. And that's okay. But it's not okay to stay there. We've got to move on. We've got to move on to trying to get to know each other better. And, and one of the things that we just discussed as elders the other day is saying, how can we help people to get in each other's homes? And find out more about the who. We can talk. I, I love that because I'm from South and I've only been here nine years. So I don't know many people in this town. And so whenever there's a big gathering kind of thing like sports events or whatever, a school thing when we had children still at school, I would sit with someone, a local, and say, hey, listen, buddy, just tell me, who's that? Oh, I see them around. Oh, who's that? Oh. That's how I got to know some of you. Your identity was disclosed to me uh, by others because they know you. They see you. But do they really know you? Do we really know each other? So we know about, oh, he runs this and that, or she does that, and, and these are their children and whatever, and we got to know each other a little bit more that way. Not really. I love just spending time with people and sitting across, well, not across something, but just sitting together and asking the question, who are you? Just, let's talk. Let's just talk. It was great. This week I went to one of our businessmen in the church. I went to his office. And, and it's great to see where he works from and kind of just understand a little bit what he does. And, but it was great greater for me, and it was better just to get to know him a little bit more, because I could go into his world and see what he does, but get to know him a little bit more, and it feels like, man, I'm, I'm closer to this guy. I feel like there's something more, because we step into each other's worlds. Jesus did that. He stepped into our world so that we can know him, and the who of him can become real and revealed to us. I want to ask you, don't just spend all your time on the what. Even the what about Jesus. And not get to know the who. Don't spend all of your time trying to reveal to people what you are, what you do, what you know, what you have acquired, what you are skilled at. But help them to see who you are. And that is sometimes scary because we don't want people to see everything about us, isn't it? <laughs> it's like, hey, there's some stuff that I'm going to hide. I'm gonna, there's going to be a curtain. Not everything 
Uh-uh. There's no curtains in our lives, in a sense. We have privacy, I understand. But when it comes to breaking into relationship, I believe God calls us to break through. And so coming back to this what, is um, Jesus says to them, guys, this is what's going to happen. Now, the very same guy that, that revealed to us, and we have the proof here of Simon Peter, hey, hey, Jesus, this is me. I know exactly who you are. Christ, the Son of God, guess what Peter does now? It's kind of like just, you know, a little bit later. We don't exactly know how much later. Maybe a couple of hours, maybe not even. The same guy that had this incredible revelation from heaven about who Jesus is. Guess what he does now? He's like, you know when your foot ends up in your mouth? Have you ever seen that? I'm not talking about the foot and mouth disease that cattle have. But some of us do have the foot and mouth disease. We talk too quickly. Before we think, we have our, our foot stuck in our mouth. Can somebody just come and illustrate that perhaps? Huh? Someone willing? No? I can, I can put my foot, but it doesn't bring out the same idea. But the point is that, you know, as we say, you've got your foot stuck in your mouth. It's, you actually just, you just spoke too soon, buddy. You should have thought of it and just, hey, what am I going to say? Let me just be clear. Peter would found himself. He's not, he's not listening to heaven now. He is very carnal. And this is what Peter says. The same guy, a couple of verses earlier, he was like, Peter, way to go, buddy. All the other disciples, wow, where'd you get that from? Now, it's amazing how God just um, is in a humoristic way showing us as humans we are frail. We can mess up just like that. One moment you're up here, you're the hero. Oh, you should have seen what I've done. Everybody, oh, way to go, way to go, buddy. And we're like, yeah, yeah. And then, boom, you stumble. And Peter, <laughs> this is what happens to Peter. We see that he says, Peter took Jesus aside. I said, me, Jesus, huh? you want to tell us you're going to go to Jerusalem, going to be killed and uh, all of this stuff. No, 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 just Jesus. I mean, I... He rebukes him. How's that, eh? Ever seen in Scripture somebody rebuking God? It's like, hey! Uh-uh. Rebuke is like a strong word. Reprimanding. Jesus, stop it. This is not right. We love having you around. You can't be killed. This is not the will of God. Can't be. Rebukes him. Far be it from you, Lord. Some translations would say, never, Lord, never. Don't we wish to sometimes say that? Never, Lord, come on. Can't be right that it happens this way. Come on. Sure. He says, this shall never happen to you. But he turned. He is Jesus. Hey, this is scary when Jesus talks like this. He turns and he said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. <laughs> the moment where everybody was like, Peter, you're the man. Now, Jesus, at least he took Jesus aside. Maybe the other disciples didn't see this and ruined poor Peter's reputation in one moment. I don't know. But Jesus speaks to him very sternly and he says, you're a hindrance to me. Oh, my goodness. When we act in the flesh... When we consider our ways, 
when we fight God and try to interrupt His plans, we're a hindrance to Him. That's what Jesus said of Peter. It's amazing. We can think that the world could be a hindrance to God. And the unbelievers out there, you know, people that don't know about Jesus, people that never come to church. But how's this? It's one of us. One of his close followers. That at this moment had become a real hindrance to him. It's like, oh God, that's very humbling. To, to recognize that I could become or I could be a hindrance to you. A hindrance in what you want to do in my life. And a hindrance what you want to do through me and through my life. By my own pride and ignorance and sin. Whatever it may be, help me never to be a hindrance to you. And so we find Jesus having to be very strong with Peter here. Because he says, you've become, you've known who I am. But it seems like, Peter, you don't really know who I am. It was a download from heaven that you had. Because if you knew truly who I am, you would not interfere with the what that I've come to do. I believe there's something in that still for us. That we cannot not know who Jesus is. We cannot and we dare not. The world is really in a mess because we don't know who Jesus is. And I'm talking about us as believers. We don't know. And I want to prove this to you. Statistics say that, and unfortunately we don't have statistics about our own nation. Let's just take it what comes out of the U.S. They love statistics. And they have all sorts of ways to, to um, accumulate all of that. And they say amongst believers in, in the United States, because they have done some surveys, that only 20% of the believers that profess that they know, believe in Jesus Christ, regularly study their Bibles. 20%. So if we say that only as you study the Word will you know Him, you agree? If you read about Him, if you hear about Him through, you know, being in church and working through stuff, but if you, in a personal level, study the Bible and read the Bible and just are exposed to what the Bible says, if only 20%, let's bring it into our context, and let's assume that some of what happens in that side could be the same here, could be different, all right? I agree. But if some of it could be true, then only 20% of us may know something about Jesus this morning that, that changes the way that we live and we act. And it's not, a, it's not an information up here just. As we study the Word... It changes the way we think about Him. And the values of who Jesus is start impacting our lives. And subsequent to that, the way that we live and treat people around us changes because His truth starts infiltrating our lives. If only 20% of us, ladies and gentlemen, this morning are at a place where we regularly go into the Word and see who Jesus is, 80% of us have no idea how to live then. Because we live from the truth. We live from the basis of who Jesus is. That's scary. 
So we could come together every Sunday. And every church in the city could do the same. But unless we know who He is, the what that we will do will always be based on some other person but Jesus. There's a lot that we have been called to do, and the how is still pretty, pretty scary if you look at it later on. But Jesus needs to be a person that we study so that we need to know how and what we ought to do here on earth. You take Jesus away, who is going to be the most influential person in your life? I don't know. And I don't want to answer it on your behalf, and I don't want to condemn you if it's somebody else, but I don't want to challenge you. It's got to be Jesus. It has to be Jesus. How do we cross into what God has for us unless we know who Jesus is? And so Jesus clearly gives us the who in that portion where he asks um, the disciples. Then he explains what he has come to do. He said to them, started showing, verse 21, that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things and be killed. Peter, denied, or Peter rejects that and he wants to stop him. And Jesus says, ah, you ain't going to stop me, buddy. Because you're from the devil right now. You want to stop the what that I've been called to do. And then Jesus gives us the how. And we're not going to go into that today. But the how is the following. Listen to this. Verse 24. If anyone would come after me. Jesus says, this is who I am. This is what I've come to do. I'm going to die. Now, if you want to follow me, do the following. He says, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and includes all females as well and take up his cross and follow me that's the how how do we live this life that we've been called to do to live verse 25 it says for whoever would save his life would lose it whoever loses his life for my sake will find it for what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul what shall a man give in return for his soul? For the Son of Man is going to come, and he carries on. The point is this, yeah, that Jesus gives us the who, he gives us the what he's come to do, and he gives us the way. And as I was meditating on that, I realized, God, there's something so clear for us, so simple. We need to live from this premise. Know who you are. Know what you've come to do, and see how you've done it, and then, okay, who am I in Christ? What have you called me from the basis of my identity in you? How do you want me to do it? This is how you want me to do it. And I, I was sitting there in my library in my, in my study, and I looked at my books, and I thought, gee, there's, there's, there's books that, that talk about that. And so I brought four books of each of that. And it really just, these books talk about the who of Jesus. It's just phenomenal. Phenomenal just to see how much information there is for us. And our people have studied who Jesus is. There's incredible information that I don't have the time to go through. It's just all about Jesus. And, and then there are these books about what He has come to do. And, and this book particularly is A Passion of Christ. It gives you, listen to this. It gives you 50 reasons why Christ suffered and died. We just said that, that um, Jesus told His disciples, I've come to die. And, and, and there's information that we read that helps us to understand the what. But we've got to first get the who. And then lastly, there's these incredible books that talk about love and how we need to do it and how we need to do church and how we need to be humble. These are the things about the how. How do I do this, God? How do I manage 
to cross into something that you have for me. How do I live that life there? I've got to know who Jesus is. I've got to understand what he's come to do. And I've got to see how he's done it. And then I've got to apply it to my own life. I've got to simply apply it to my own life. And I want to just, in closing, want to read to you from a little book that I have at home that says the following. It says, The bigger and more biblical your understanding of who Jesus is, the more likely he is to be such an object of love and adoration that the idols that aim at capturing your attention and swaying your allegiance will lose their power. This is why you sometimes lack earnestness for the kingdom and the glory of God while you overflow with passion concerning temporal things. Instead of making a joyful noise and singing earnestly for the victory Christ has over sin and death, you express a dispassionate approval and mouth the words to the songs sung in worship. But often there's more, there's often fire in your belly and shouts of joy when your favorite football team is victorious over the competition. This is North America context. This is probably why the church is shrinking in North America because small Jesus does not inspire or command respect lead to worship, or compel us to talk of Him, much less suffer for Him, the small Jesus. And small Jesus is too little to arrest the attention of the world. So please remember, Jesus is bigger than you tend to think. He's the perfect revelation of God, the radiance of His glory, the exact imprint of His nature. He's the creator and sustainer of all that exists. Everything belongs to Him and exists for Him. He is the author of your salvation, the perfecter of your faith, and He's the only one in whom you can find life. That's why we dare not stop talking about Jesus. We can talk about the other side, what it is that God calls us to, but we need to understand there's a who that gets us to the what, and there's a who who shows us how to live this life. I challenge us, myself included, get to know the who. Grow in knowing the who. May the who be the focus that you have. Because the who determines our what. And the who shows us how to do the what. And so may God... In His infinite wisdom, help us. I'd love to take this conversation further at another time and talk to you about the how. What does it really mean to deny ourselves, take up our cross, and follow Him? The more we see who He is, the more that becomes realistic in our lives. And not a religious um, effort. Oh, I've got to try. I've got to try harder. I've got to try harder. It's, anything is possible in the light of His glory and His grace. And I can say, Jesus, whatever it is that you ask of me, please, I want to do it. I want to be available. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you this morning that you are the Lord, and that you are real, 
And that you do not just possess love, but you are love. And that everything about you, Lord Jesus, the little that we know has come to grip our hearts. But Lord, we need to know more about who you are. Because there's a calling that you have in our lives, Lord, to do stuff, to go into this world, to do the what. And there's a specific way in which you want us to do it, Lord God, the how. But Father, it's all connected to the who. As we see just simply how Jesus asked about the who, then said, this is what I'm going to do, and this is how I will do it, and how I want you to live. Please help us, Father, to see this. Please help us, O oh God, that our lives will be around you. I pray for that in Jesus' name. I pray, Lord, that in each one of our lives, it will be a, a longing, a real, genuine longing to know you more. Not just more about you, but to know you more intimately. We trust you for that in Jesus' name. Amen.